Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from Bally Sports, Indiana. He does the pre, he does the in, he does the half, he does the in, and he does the post-game show, and his hair looked spectacular last night, and it should have because he had a haircut that he scheduled during the show, and he couldn't come on early in the week. Jeremiah Johnson joins us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Well done with the haircut, though. Uh, I can understand why that took priority. Well, normally you're the only one talking about that expensive haircut, right? I mean, they, you, you've got your billboards all over town. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, everybody's yeah, got to well, follow. Hey, just come up. If you want options of your real growing hair, listen, everybody grew up, especially my age, that's losing their hair right now, and they grew up with visions of Steve Olford's butt cut, feathered on the side, parted down the middle, that you got a haircut at Command Performance in the mall back in the day. If you're looking for that, follow my lead. I'm the Pied Piper of real growing hair, J.J., well, I'm not going to rule that out in the future, but I was walking around the concourse and I had someone say, hey, I heard you got a haircut. John was talking about it. So I do apologize <laughs> for, for not leaving my three to six open every day. But, you know, I, it, it, it's tough to get in sometimes. So if I got to call well, who cut your hair, day, where do you, where do you, you go know, to have to get that that type of schedule down? Well, wait a second. I mean, no one else has haircut appointments. I don't go to the barbershop. Oh, shop, no, so. I don't. I just roll, I roll into sport clips and have Juanita cut it down on the south side about 8 a.m. Oh. I drop Blake off, run back over, take a quick nap when I'm sitting <laughs> out the parking lot in front of Kroger, roll in there, and Juanita trims my hair, and I'm done in five minutes. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't join you earlier in the week, but I'm glad <laughs> to be able to join you today. <laughs> where, hey, where do you have to get this long-term schedule to get your hair cut? Give them some love. Oh, uh, Brooke Lyons, uh, she cuts on her own a little bit, um, but she's actually leaving town in about a year, so shes I don't think she's taking any new clients, so I wouldn't even do her any good so, to get the free advertising. Wait a minute. That means JJ yeah. is going to become a haircut-free agent. <laughs> That's true. I'm yeah, unrestricted no haircut-free agent, Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> All right. Yes. Get to cash yeah, in we- big on this one then. Let's, yeah. Hey, let's find, let's find via this show and its power – a place for you to go when Brooke ends up bailing town here the next year because you yeah, are a very important haircut-free agent out there. So we'll find this you somebody not, new. This is not planned, but at Pacers JJ, I'm going to be looking for someone to cut my hair in the yeah. summer. And I guess they have to be flexible that I have to be able to reschedule if I get a last-minute call to join you know, the JMB show. Yeah, I mean, you just got to be able to do it in the chair, too. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Just got to be able to do it in the work. chair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, hey, Jeremiah Johnson is an unrestricted haircut free agent <laughs> as of the end of the year. So if you cut hair or you have a place that cuts hair and you want the JJ and the Pacer and the Bally Sports Indiana love uh, <laughs> at Pacers JJ or at JMV 1070, and we will direct JJ to you as that unrestricted free agent. There you go. That sounds good. I, I appreciate that. Just anyone else listening, no, I did not plan on this, but I'm happy to get any recommendations. You got it, buddy. We'll do that. Um, last night, I, I thought it was good, and that was a preseason game. I have to remind everybody of that, or they'll remind me, hey, it's just a preseason game. I'm just talking last night, for example. Last night was good because you're, you're going to have to, to me, in my opinion, take a lot of these these smaller 
non-results-driven moments, even though there was a good result last night. But you're going to have to take those and really kind of soak them up this year because they're going through this process of transition. I thought last night was a hell of an example of, you know, not only getting a result, which was nice, but at the same time, looking to the future and seeing some guys that you can really get excited about, even though that was a preseason game. I think you're absolutely right. I looked forward to getting the chance to talk to Benedict Matherin after the game, and I loved watching some of those young guys close that game out. It was just a preseason game, and so when you're down by 10 midway through the fourth quarter, you're kind of saying, well, you know, it was a good experience. You saw some good things, but then to see what you saw in those final few minutes, and Andrew Nemhard, I mean, the shots he hit were big. Goga even comes off the bench and hits some threes, and, and really Matherin was the star of the night, and to have a night like that in his first appearance at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in a Pacers uniform. Even though it was just a preseason game, as you mentioned, it was something to take and to savor and kind of to remember a little bit because you'll remember that in January and February where you were when you saw him have his big first moment at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And so this is going to be a season that you accurately described where you're going to have to find some moments. You're looking for individual improvement. Maybe the next time it'll be Isaiah Jackson has a really big night and and you're expecting maybe consistency from Tyrese Halliburton night in, night out. But to be able to play well and have a moment like that where he didn't even suit up, I think was a really good thing. So we're going to enjoy this season. We're going to enjoy everything that goes along with player development. And we saw some early player development last night. Yeah, J.J. joins us from Valley Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Pacers last night get that good result in preseason game number three against the Knicks. Uh, I also brought this up, and I've watched Andrew Nemhart play a great deal, and I think I brought this up to you in the offseason after they drafted him as well. Um, I, I, I held out some question, and again, incredibly early, but I held out some question whether or not he was going to be able to to give them, even off the bench, what they're looking for, you know, against the the, the high-level guard athleticism. And I, I know that Nimhart is a good ball handler. He's a smart, savvy dude. He can hit jump shots. He does a lot of things. I mean, he's a good passer, you know, a willing distributor as a point guard. I just kind of questioned him, at least at Gonzaga, against the top-tier athletic guard talent. But it was good last night. I mean, last night, uh, again, preseason game, it gave me a lot of reason to think, well, you know, maybe this guy's going to transition and be a heck of a lot better at that position in the NBA than what I originally thought. I think where you're maybe concerned, it can depend upon who's with him in the backcourt because if there is some athleticism issues and maybe the matchup isn't great, depending on who the other guard in the backcourt is or maybe who you've got inside to help him protect the rim, maybe, you know, they can help. But he can do some other things that – some other point guards can't and I've seen him shoot like he did last night uh, throughout training camp I and mean, if you leave him open he has a little bit of an awkward shot and so maybe at times you're like can he be yeah. a good shooter trust me he is a really good shooter and if you give him that space to get that shot off uh, I almost mark it down as a, as a made three-pointer in my in the scorebook because he's he's that accurate so anytime you can have a guy that if is if he's open he can knock that shot down. I think it's a benefit. And then, like I said, it just depends on who you surround him with. And I don't know that you should expect those kind of late-game performances this season, but knowing he can perform if asked, and that's just something that will give him confidence moving forward. So he's he's a second-round draft pick. He's a rookie. He's going to have his ups and downs. But to be able to have a night like that, just like Benedict Matherin did, I I think is a really solid aspect. And you're not really – 
asking him right now to take T.J. McConnell's minutes because T.J. McConnell has been maybe one of the best players in the entire team in training camp. And so he's still going to be the backup point guard. Andrew Nemhard will play when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, and, and no doubt. I, I'm rooting so hard for him, too, because I've really enjoyed watching him play and watching all those Gonzaga games. And uh, I thought last night, at least preseason-wise, was a good game for the rookie from Gonzaga. Hey, by the way, J.J., Dave Hammer in Greenwood recommends Cassie Norton at the Hair Emporium in Greenwood. Cassie Norton. Already, well, I'm already getting messages as well. So the power of the ride with JMV. We're going to really have to follow up on this and well, see what happens. Even, even more than that, I think everybody out there recognizes when you have a, a pretty high-value, elite-level, need-haircut type of talent that's an unrestricted free agent, that you got to go out there and kind of you got to reel them in, right? I got a message from Kendall McCroy, who was my running back at Peru High School, a former state champion <laughs> in track and field, and played a little bit at Illinois. I did not even realize that he was a hairstylist right now. So he said he'll be my uh, my barber next year. So we're going to have a there's going to be some competition. Yeah, I mean it's going to ultimately be up to you, but it's always good to have options. John just said, "What about Sarah Beth?" At 18-8 in Clay Terrace, Sarah Beth is fantastic. So, J.J., there's yet another option for you. 18-8 in Clay Terrace for the unrestricted haircutting free agent, Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports, Indiana. You know, the other thing last night, and I, I know that you guys, this is going to be unrelenting for a long period of time because everybody's probably never going to be satisfied. But the numbers came off apparently big for you guys last night, right? Even with, I know some people, you know, that were streaming and whatever they call pixelation may have had a struggle with it and others, you know, with Hulu or whatever, uh, YouTube TV may have struggled with it. But it appears you had a lot of interest television-wise tuning in last night. That's good. We've talked for a number of years. If you're going to go through a little bit of a rebuilding process, you wonder in the market, whether they're willing to accept that. And by all indications, I mean, you look at the fan jam crowd, the people that I talked to, uh, the enthusiasm in the building for a preseason game, uh, as much as they were into the game, I think that the fan base is really taking to this team and this idea of building this roster up with, with goals of winning a championship and not just building a roster that hopes to get into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. And so maybe they understand exactly what it's going to take but in the short term you're going to really enjoy watching the energy and enthusiasm that some of these youngsters play with and you're seeing you know benedict mather and tyrese halliburton those are guys you're going to build around and they're not the only two uh but it's fun to watch these guys learn and grow and i think that it you know the numbers do speak for themselves and it does everyone i talked to that that watched and those in the in the building and then watching at home seem to enjoy themselves and we hope that just continues this season all right. What else stood out to you last night, J.J., before I let you go in that performance? You know, I was asked actually on the morning show yesterday what I was looking for. I think throughout the first half of the season, I'm probably going to have a close eye on Jalen Smith because I enjoyed watching him last season unexpectedly, I guess. No one knew what he could do when they acquired him in February, but he really thrived. And now that he's been given the starting role, I want to see if he's capable – of night in, night out handling that because it's it's a big responsibility for someone that had not been playing a lot with the Phoenix Suns, and, and he went down hard. But I love the way he attacked the basket, knocked down a three, and I thought he had a really good first half. I don't think there was anything serious 
for the reason he didn't play in the second half. But I think that's kind of was one of my takeaways of the first half ever than Matherin was that I thought that Jalen Smith played really well. And he's someone I'm going to be watching, not necessarily judging every single game because there are going to be some times where the matchup is tough for him as a four. He's kind of a tweener. Is he a four? Is he a five? But for right now, he's starting at the four. And I want to see improvement, development from night one until the end of the season from Jalen Smith. Well, here's the other thing. We saw this last night. You, you, you've got to show signs of improvement shooting the three. I mean, that's 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 the thing I think we both can agree upon. I mean, and again, preseason game, whatever. Uh, that in this era of the NBA, this is something watching the Lakers and the T Wolves last night, and they were talking about the Laker woes from behind the arc. You just can't possibly win at even close to a high level if you don't knock down threes more than occasionally. Yeah, and I think that will improve. There are going to be nights that the three-point shot does not fall, but I think they may be a better three-point shooting team this season than maybe we've seen in the last few years. The one thing that I maybe will be watching a little bit more closely from a statistical perspective might be the rebounding. I think that's where there are going to be some matchups and some lineups where maybe they'll struggle. And in the first half, they really did struggle on the glass. Obviously, it was something that was talked about at halftime, Jenny Busa could not acknowledge as much to me. And I thought they really improved on that in the second half. So, um, you know, three-point shooting, the numbers were not great last night, but I do think they'll shoot above average over the course of the season because they've made that an emphasis. They're trying to have as many shooters on the court as possible. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Also broke the news today that he is becoming a haircut unrestricted free agent chris rains he sent us both a tweet miriam at is it wip that's a station in philadelphia or whip downtown is where i get mine cut that's miriam close to the circle and gamebridge Fieldhouse. and then we've got maxwell saying hey i hear that you're a haircutting free agent how about in Westfield, Barbershop 32, Barbershop 32 in Westfield, according to Maxwell right there. So I'm telling you, I knew you were going to be an incredibly popular free agent on that free agent market. And clear, clearly I, you are at this point. I appreciate that. And I'm going to file all of these messages away. I'm not going to leave Brooke until the summer when she moves up to uh, the region, but uh, Brooke's done a great job i don't want her to feel like i'm I'm deserting her she's kind of deserting me and now we'll have some options this summer that i'm going to have to take a strong under strong consideration so what has she done so wrong where she's being forced to move to the region uh well actually it's a just a family situation her husband's got a job relocation he's Uh, from uh he's from northwest indiana so i think they've been excited about it they've been looking forward to it uh for a couple of years now but uh, I've been not looking, looking forward, forward to moving to, to the region. Yeah. You know, people oh. from the region love the region, John. Do they? Oh. So I hear. Unbeknownst to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not your Michigan. It's Indiana. Oh, well, I, know, I mean, I it's Michigan light. Michigan. It is. You know? It's Michigan light. Right? Yeah, it's probably Junior Michigan. Like, That's what it is. It's, it's Michigan like Junior. Chicago. It's Chicago light, right? No, no, no. It's not that good. It's it's Michigan Junior. That's the region. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, you're probably going to get more messages about that comment than the fact that I'm a haircutting free agent. <laughs> 
Oh, everybody knows that the, that I kind of dig Michigan a little bit because weed's legal. So they're cool with that. So, hey, buddy, great job last night, man. It was great to have you guys back. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, we shall do it again soon, and we'll find you somebody to cut that air as a free agent. All right, well, All right? I'll just, I'm going to make sure I don't turn down any opportunities. The next time Kyle texts me, I'm going to drop everything I'm doing and make sure I'm available <laughs> to talk with you. It all worked out, though, because we're going to find you after a year, somebody to take the place of Brooke Lyons for you because yep. she's moving to Michigan Junior. So that's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you. Tell Daenerys, Quinn, and Eddie, and, and Burns, and everybody else said hello. Sounds good. Later. JJ on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Later on tonight. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, let's jump ahead to Sunday, that 1 o'clock start, and a rematch for the Colts and the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium. Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 joins us. I guess we kind of find ourselves here again, don't we? It's if this team can't do this now, when are they going to be able to do it? I mean, all the history, all that we know in recent history, in this team's failures against Jacksonville, if you can't do it with knowing the past, momentum, all of this crap, when are you ever going to be able to do it? And I guess, Mike, we find ourselves kind of talking that way leading up to Sunday with this group. Yeah, it's – it's and, and we've talked about we, – we knew the AFC South was going to be gettable, but this is a division that's going to – it's going to force you to be a contender. Because I, I just don't see someone getting on that hot run like Tennessee did last year after they lost Henry. I just think whether you want to or not, you're going to be involved in it. But, geez, I mean, take advantage of the fact that you've played really poorly for five games, and you're right there. They were within yeah. a, a two-yard pass from being in first place. Uh, but at some point, you have to quit worrying about, well, you know, they lost and they lost. No, how about you? Take care of your business. You've got look, – look at this schedule. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Washington, New England, and even the Raiders before before you get Philly on, on November 20th, whatever it is. So it's there. But, but you have to start playing better. The defense is probably playing maybe a notch above where we anticipated, maybe. I don't know. But the offense is just a mess. And, you know – what numbers you want to use? Seven straight games with less with twenty points or fewer. This is the fewest points in five games since Peyton's rookie year. Yeah. You just can't survive in the NFL doing that with twenty one sacks and you know, the turnovers and the eleven fumbles by the quarterback, you know, throwing darts on the board for your offensive line. I, I just it's there for him, but at some point they need to to, you know, kind of hitch up their pants and take advantage of it. To Mike Chapel of CBS 4 and Fox 59, Colts Jaguars coming up on Sunday. That's a 1 o'clock start at Lucas Oil Stadium. I start with a ride to kick off of the Bullseye Event Center coming up at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Um, are we at a point we've heard, you know, excuses? It's communication. We've heard excuses. You know, it's, you know, the, the acclimation process. We've heard excuses, you know, guys being out. All these excuses. Are we not, though, at the point where offensively speaking, and in particular, Mike, with his offensive line, it is what it is? 
Are we not there right no. now, or is there still a really legitimate opportunity for them to prove us wrong? Well, there's plenty of time. I mean, you know, there's 12 games left, but, but you know, if, if ever there's going to be a, a chance of, of communication issues, it's, it's when you're mixing up your offensive line. This isn't like these guys, you know, the, the, the group that, that started the season and played so poorly, they were together all offseason. There, there, there should have been no reason – for miscommunication. Well, now when you change guys around, does anything scream desperation more than changing three offensive linemen on a short week where you have like two walkers? I mean, that that just says, well, this isn't working. Let's try something else. So, you know, and it would have been, it would have been crazy. The definition of insane to keep the line in place. So they had to do something. But to change three guys, I, they, you know, they, they've quit calling me for advice, probably for a lot of reasons. But I would have left Braden Smith at right tackle. Me too. I know they moved him. I, I know they moved him inside. Frank, and Frank's explanation made a lot of sense. They wanted to, you know, strengthen the run game inside, and, and they got some some decent runs inside. But boy, the the protection on the edges was atrocious, and I would. <laughs> I would kind of give up some good runs inside to keep my quarterback from getting pummeled. So I, you know, will they keep the same group this week? I don't know. I, again, I would put Braden Smith back at right tackle and I would find whether you want to put prior inside the guard. Okay. I wouldn't, I would try to find whether Dennis Kelly can play guard or Will Fry's whatever. And I, I know Will Fry struggled when he went in there for Danny Penner. I would rather try to make do, at right guard than, than hamper two positions at right guard and right tackle. Uh, Jacksonville's got two pretty good outside rushers, and they kind of exerted pressure the last game they played. I mean, Ryan was hit ten times. Uh, so I, I don't know. But once you go down this road, you know, it, it's hard to know how you're going to find any continuity when you're changing all the time. And you talk to these guys, and the one position they say you got to have continuity is the offensive line. Well, they couldn't stick with what they had. But, boy, the last thing you want to do is change week to week. And keep in mind, th- these changes are not because of injury. It's because of performance. Uh, yes, there's time to get it fixed, but what have they shown you to think they can get it fixed? And, Mike, this is – and I, I've said this all week, and I really going back to last week – this is their foundation. I mean, this is the roots of the foundational build of Chris Ballard, and it has been a failure as we look at it right now. And as I mentioned, that's not just bad in the right now, but that's bad for the foreseeable future because of the way this team is constructed and constructed financially. Well, but you, but you, can, you can fix it in the offseason. I mean, you got anybody left tackle. I know it's, they're not just hanging around, but – you can invest money in the left tackle, or, or I don't think you draft one because you got to be drafting a quarterback probably. But I, I think that see, this, I, I don't believe that giving Quentin Quentin Nelson twenty million a year will keep them from doing anything. They can still do still do whatever they want in the off season at tackle, and, and then you're going to have to find a right guard. But I, I think that's we've said all along that that's the one position that you're going to have to find a free agent or a 
but but their center and right tackle haven't been any good to the point where you had to move one around on the inside. I I, I guess I look at it differently. I mean, I look at this as a major fail. That's one why I would go that that I would go on the on the track record of several years and and they'll play better. Ryan Kelly needs to play better. He he has struggled whether it's an injuries or whatever. He's not played all uh, Pro Bowl level. But you know he's done it in the past, and you know Quentin will you know Quentin will be Quentin, and if you get right, if you get Kelly and then Braden Smith back at right tackle, and then you, then you find an answer at left tackle. I, Pro Football Focus it came out. You can whether you believe in them or not, a lot of people do. They came out with their offensive line rankings today, and the Colts are 32nd. I mean that's last. <laughs> Yeah. And that you know, and how do you argue against that? You say, yeah, I've seen them play for five games, and they've been pretty bad. You know, twenty-one sacks and all the hits, and and it's kept Matt Ryan from being who he needs to be, and 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 he's played poorly, and he's played poorly some of it on his own. There've been times he's had time in the pocket, and those two interceptions at Denver just were hard to watch. So it, it's now how how the offensive line ineffectiveness is, is impacting him. I think at some level it has to. But I just don't see how this offense gets out of its own way until the offensive line can start, yeah. you know, giving them something of a running game and giving them something. You know, one big thing that's missing in the passing game are shots downfield. They've got one pass, I think, of 40 yards, and that was last week against Denver with Alec Pierce. How do you push the ball down the field? when you can't pass protect. So it, it's just that, that cycle, and the only way to get out of the cycle is have the offensive line play better. And if, if that roughs their feathers that, that, that will be critical, then, then play better. You know, you mentioned last week Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 joins us as, you know, they moved around the offensive line. And, you know, you talked about how they wanted to move. I guess their theory was you move Braden Smith on the inside and be able to, to run block better. Um, and obviously, Matt Pryor got absolutely worked over on the edge. And herein lies an issue coming up on Sunday, because not only do you have tremendous edge rushing capabilities with the Jaguars in mind, but if you remember going back to week two, they did a lot of things uh, through stunts and twists where they right. came up on the inside. And more times than not, and certainly more where we look at it and you go, oh, wow, guys came without being touched at Matt Ryan. And you consider, all right, so you think the outside is broken. Well, all of a sudden the inside is broken. That's when you really start searching for answers that maybe you just don't have right now. Well, and, and, and again, when you start changing your right guard maybe again, then then maybe Jackson says, well, let, let's see how much this guy is in tune. And we're going to start running some some stunts inside and see if they pick up. See if the running back, again, some of the protection has been the running back, not sliding in, taking a blitzer, but – but so much of it was on the offensive line. And, yes, they missed Jack Doyle. They do for the run game and all that. But but they knew all of this going into the season. That, that's See, part of the problem is not part of it. The, the main problem with the offensive line is they knew all these issues going into the se- going into the offseason. Not the season, the offseason. They knew Jack Doyle retired. They knew that Eric Fisher wasn't coming back. And and they they sort of, you know, I still think that the big mistakes they made was they, there, there wasn't open competition at left tackle, and there wasn't open competition at right guard. The, you know, 
Pinter at right guard and, and Pryor at left tackle, th- that was their spots. You know, Ryman never really was considered, uh, you know, an opening day threat at left tackle for, for a lot of reasons, and, and rightly so. But it, it's – and now here, here we are, and you just can't go out and find players. You know, they, they brought in a guy – Who's uh, has uh, you know a ton of experience? Naseki, I think his name is Ty Naseki, but he has no you know he's got no foundation on on, on the offense. So it's going to take him a while. But what do you expect of a guy to come in and play and play well? I mean, maybe Dennis Kelly finally gets a, a shot in the next few weeks, but it, it, it's just it's just kind of hard to, to see how they come out of this. Because Bernhard Ryman is going to have issues at left tackle. He just is. But it's clear that they're willing to, to deal with his growing pains as opposed to sticking with Matt Pryor, who just wasn't working at left tackle. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's with us. All right. I've had at least some lighthearted debate earlier this week about the play through the first five weeks of the season from Matt Ryan. I don't think he's been any good. Now, do I understand <laughs> that he's been under siege the entire time? Absolutely. But as we talked last week, when you sit in the press box for two games, you kind of see what also, when he's not under siege, he has missed. Throws he has missed. Receivers he's missed. Yeah, I don't think he's been very good. Others are had the tendency to give him a break on this because of the low-level play of the offensive line. Where do you stand on the type of play we've seen from Matt Ryan through the first five weeks? Probably not as critical as you are, but but he's been part of the problem too. I mean, 11 fumbles. And that figure is a, li- a little bit below because he had like four at Houston. Remember, he had four in the center snaps. But okay, that's still seven. He's had seven fumbles on uh, on sacks, and the interceptions are just – you sit there. We were talking on our, our, our podcast on Fox 59 today. I remember when Luck was here and Clyde Christensen was a court, or was a quarterback coach, and I'd, I'd talk to Clyde that when Luck would throw those bonehead throws that he always did, I told Clyde, you want to stop the game and go to the quarterback and say, okay – Walk me through, what did you see there? Why did you think that was a good throw? That's what those two at Denver were. You're thinking, what were you doing? Because in each case, yeah, it's a busy passing pocket. They always are. But he had time. And he can't compound the protection and the lack of running game by being so careless with the football. He's already had, he's got as many interceptions as Carson Wentz did. Uh, you just, yeah, I, I think he, but then again, he, he's, he's brought him back to, with a chance to win four games. You know, they're three and two if a kicker makes a 42-yard field goal, as bad as they played at Houston. And, and he gave him a chance against Tennessee, although he was one of the reasons they were behind 24-3. to three. So it, it's, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> and yes, he's part of the problem, but at least he's given him a chance. Yeah, well, it seems like with this team, too, and I I guess this is the way that that I not only viewed but wanted to view this team or, you know, me or fans expected to view this team. But it seems like as we go on week after week, the bar gets lowered 
on expectations and what's going no to be question. okay. Well, if this happens, it's going to be okay. Well, if you get this this week, it's going to be okay. Well, if you get, you know, four field goals this week, it's going to be okay. And this is not what people signed up for. This no. is not what people signed up to watch this season. And that's that's more than just unfortunate. And, you know, this falls, you know, at the feet of a lot of people and certainly starting with Ballard and Reich. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, you know, if they go eight, eight, and one, that might be enough to win the division. I mean, really, that's where we are. I mean, really? Yeah, it is. That, that's exactly right, Mike. That's exactly how the bar gets lowered. And or oh, great, great, because people say this, Mike, to me all the time. Well, you know, I just expect this team to to take off midseason because that's what they always do. That's what they did a year ago. And it's like what? there's this well, there's this great celebration of last year. And I don't know about you, I thought it sucked. I mean, last year sucked at the beginning. It really sucked at the end. I mean, there was no visions of greatness last year. It was just no, what we're doing was, right was, now. There, it was a team was, on a given week getting by, and that's not yeah, how it's supposed were, to there be. Were visions, there were visions in early December that they were a pretty good team. They were running the hell out of the ball, and, and now they weren't throwing at all. But, but you know, it, it was, you know, no one, no one wants to play this team in, in January. Well then this team took care of that by not playing in January. So it, it's just but, – but you're right. I mean, we all talked in the offseason in training camp. The yeah. expectations were there. And, and, and they were as – you know, the, the young, of course, the owner is always optimistic, and, and, and he should be. You know, because financially he's kind of given them what they need. But it, it, it's crazy where this team is now. All of a sudden, I don't think they, the receivers and the tight ends – are that big of a problem. They're playing pretty well. But this offensive line, which is the pillar of your franchise, again, just look, you yeah. base that on how much money you've got sunk into it. And I, I, it's something that you can't fix with new bodies during the season. It's what you go got you can go out and resign Eric Fisher. Okay. Well, right now I'd take Eric Fisher at left tackle. I, I would. But th- this is what you've got, and they've got to find out a way to fix this to where, for right now, this would be, be good enough. And, again, in this division, they don't have to be 30 points a game and, and just clicking. They just need to score more than 20, for crying out loud, to be competitive. Tell me, Carrie Fisher would have been good enough at right tackle <laughs> on Thursday night right there. She's no no it's, longer it's, with us. And, and again, did, did <laughs> I would yeah. put Braden Smith back out there, right tackle. Do you put Pryor at right guard, or I he, I don't know I don't, unless don't you bring. It, well, well, I mean, I, 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 here's the thing, and I know that there's a smallish sample size here, but are you at all thinking about Penner at center? And if it's not Penner at center, which I know they won't do, and Frank had mentioned, I think yesterday or maybe yeah. the day before, maybe it was yesterday, they haven't considered it. Okay, so that's not going to happen. Would, would you put Pinner back at right guard? Because I, I would be with you. Last week I would have had Pryor playing right guard and Smith at right tackle. So I certainly would have Smith back at right tackle on this. But um, it, what, what do you do with Pryor? Do you, because of his level of play, take him out of the equation and restart Pinner there? Is it Will Fries? Is it still Good Kelly? Question. Do you trust him at center right now? you got so many ridiculous questions about that line to ask. Well, and right now you're putting Matt Pryor in a position to fail because it didn't, you know, he, he spent the all off season working at left tackle, which he'd only started at once. So now you put him at right tackle, which is more of a natural position, but he hasn't worked at it for a while. 
and now you're going to put him out if you put him at right guard it's it's you're, you're just putting a guy in position to fail and I, but but is, is he a better option inside than fries or pinter who who lost his job early so i don't know it, it's not where you need to be again this isn't they're not making these moves because of injuries. They're making it because of performance. And it's okay when you got one guy you're trying to, to, to fix or hide, if that's the word you want to use. But not when you've got holes all over the place. And, and again, I come back to Ryan Kelly needs to start playing better. And I'm, I'm sure he knows it. And, and I, I just think Braden Smith has had a couple of a rough moments, but I think he's got a track record of being pretty good. I, you know, if they had the answers, they wouldn't be changing three guys on a short week. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of hard questions out there, and you're looking at answers that you're that you're not 100% sold on because the guys you're looking to haven't played very much, and if they've played, they've not played well. It makes you wonder. Um, do you, hey, do you go back at all and think about? If if they thought at all this offensive line was going to play this way, what would have they have done at quarterback? Well, that's a good question. I first of all, I can't imagine them sitting there in in March saying, "Boy, you know, this offensive line might really suck this year." I, I, I just that's the <laughs> yeah. one. That's the it one. May, area. It may rank last by PFF going into week number six. So yeah. Well, I just. And that's the one that all the things we talked about in the offseason, very seldom did we say, you know, now what happens if this offensive line isn't very good? That really never came up because you had three guys that you were really sold on and n- none of us were, ha- were, were, were feeling good about left tackle. I, I don't remember many people saying, you know, I think Pryor can do this. It was, this is what they're doing. And yeah, well, we're my, my idea on. is still better than Chris's idea, by the way. Moving well, Quentin I, Nelson over there is still a, a better idea than his idea of actually putting Matt Pryor out there. We do recognize that, right? And I can't argue. I, I want to argue with you, but I can't. I, I just can't. Because, <laughs> but, so, but, and again, all they've done is, is kind of fuel that yeah. you know, topic you like to run with. And again, but, but you just have to have some kind of continuity. And I just. I hope Bernard Ryman plays better. In the first half was about as bad as you can play, and he admitted it. I think he settled down some in the second half and overtime. But, boy, there were so many instances where Browning and, and Bradley Chubb just walked him back into Feasted, the quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, I'm giving him a break because he hadn't played much. And he missed, he had missed like the last two weeks prior to that. that. That, again, shows you the desperation. They put a rookie out there who basically didn't play the last two weeks, but the previous two weeks because of an ankle injury. So it's, it's, it's not the least bit ideal to be in the situation to where you're just kind of shuffling and hoping that's, you know, that's, that's a, you know, a recipe to fail, but you just hope you see something to where the quarterback has a chance to do stuff the running back, whether it's Taylor or Hines or Deion Jackson or Philip Lindsay, can they're just not getting buried in the backfield. Uh, just act like an offense that can operate without five sacks and three holding penalties and 
you know, four tackles for losses and, you know, and, and give the defense some, some help because the defense is playing pretty well right now. So Mike Chapel with us. All right, Jonathan Taylor back at practice today. That's a good expectation for Sunday. The latest on Naheem, the latest on Taekwon Lewis, the latest on Shaquille Leonard. Anything we learned today? I know we'll probably learn more coming up tomorrow, certainly, but anything learned today? No, other than, you know, Naheem still. Now, Taekwon Lewis, is he didn't have the red jersey on, so he's progressing through protocol. Naheem still had the red jersey on today. Uh, but he's got time. The thing with Taekwon, let's keep in mind also that he had an extra week. He, he was out last week, so he's had more time. Shaquille, we've not seen him. I'm still surprised he didn't IR him because I was told he's going to need surgery on his on his nose. That may take a game or two more, so you're very quickly you lose him for four games. Taylor, I don't know, he, he, he practiced today. Uh, we talked to him today, and he didn't give us much to go on, but if he come back and practices tomorrow, I think he's good to go. And I sort of, I sort of expect Naheem to be out there tomorrow without the red jersey, and then he can pass through protocol. But with, with I tell you, with concussions, they're not messing around with it. And if he's not ready, if he shows any signs at all, he's not playing. Who's going to be the Ashton Doolin replacement? Well, I guess Patman on offense, but they're going to miss him on special teams, whether that's Dallas Flowers or somebody. I mean, it's he's one of those guys that you don't really appreciate until he's gone. He he's, he had sort of turned into that Pascal receiver where he, makes, he just makes tough catches, important catches. But they're slowly chipping away at special teams players are losing, and they've played pretty well on special teams so far. You hate to see them lose you know, have those gashing plays in special teams because they're losing big players. So that's a pretty big loss for four games. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure. So we'll get the bird's eye view coming up on Sunday. If if you can't get it done and get up for this, then I I don't know once you can get done and get up for coming up on Sunday. There's a lot, lot riding on this. They won four straight and eight out of nine at home against Jacksonville. Mm. So, but keep it going because if you if you don't, then you got Tennessee the next week, and and then the season very quickly slips away, even in a bad division. No doubt. I'll see you up at the press box Sunday, Mike. Thank you. Look forward to it. It's uh, Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline.